think about the business goal think about the content that you have that relates to that business goal and then figure out how you can get that content to perform better Hello, entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura L. Bernhard. Welcome back to the Marketing Bound podcast, where we offer inbound marketing tips to get you more traffic, more leads, and more success. Today, we're looking into how to conduct an effective content audit. But you're thinking, what is the value of a content audit? Well, one, it can be to review why your content strategy may not be working, or two, identify how to adjust your content strategy to your new business goals. In this episode, I chat with Christine McLean, content writer and content strategist about the step-by-step process on how to conduct an effective content audit. She reveals the importance of a content audit, how to set content goals that align with your business, what may be missing from your customer insights that makes a huge difference in how your content converts, how to know what content needs to be updated, and the short-term KPIs to know if your new content strategy works. If your content strategy is not getting the results you want or your business goals have changed, then this episode is for you. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for being on the Marketing Bound podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I am so excited to be here and I look forward to sharing whatever knowledge I have with your audience. Amazing. So just so everyone knows, Christine and I, we met on LinkedIn. I don't know how exactly, (laughs) but we've known each other for a while and we're finally sitting down for this podcast and we have a great episode for everyone. We're going to be talking about content audits. Mm -hmm. And as millions and millions of blog posts are posted every single day, it's really important that everybody does these audits. (laughs) So just to kick things off, Christine, tell us what a content audit is and why it's important. Okay, sure, Laura, no problem. So a content audit is basically an analysis of all of your existing content assets. We don't just focus on blog posts. If you have a YouTube channel with videos, we look at that too. If you have a podcast, whatever it is, we look at all of your content assets and assess whether they're actually helping you to achieve your business goals. And what that also entails is looking at ways to refresh your existing content. Maybe there may be some updates that you have to do for better search engine rankings, for instance, if that's your goal. Maybe you need to create new content that serves an entirely different audience from the one that you're serving now. Maybe you're not targeting the right audience. And yeah, there there are lots of things that can happen once the content audit is done. But the real aim is to assess whether your content is achieving your business results, helping achieve your business results. I love that. So I'm just going to repeat what you said about content, not just being about blogs. Mm -hmm. Um, I immediately got that wrong. So that's great for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) A content audit is not just your blogs, everyone. (laughs) I always associated a gist with blogs, but I like that it's about your YouTube. Is Does it also include like your social media content? Uh, to a lesser extent, I wouldn't even say that it includes the social media content because that's not, the, that's not the, the biggest push when it comes to your content assets overall. Because when you think about it, on social media, what you're really doing is repurposing whatever 
big content assets you have. So your blogs, your podcasts, your videos, you know? So, yeah. So those are the three main ones. It's like anything long form content, video content, and well, podcasts and YouTube. That makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into the seven steps of an effective content audit, I know you have three questions that you want companies to ask before they dive into their content audit. Mm -hmm. And the first one is to determine if you have realistic content goals. And -hmm. I think this one is super, super important. Mm -hmm. But what I want to dive into is, can you tell us an example of what's a bad content goal? Can you explain (laughs) that to us? (laughs) Sure. A lot of times we tend to focus on website traffic. I mean, everybody loves to talk about website traffic and we love to talk about page one rankings and everybody is so excited about getting on the first page of, of Google. But you can be on the first page of Google and be getting hundreds of thousands of website visitors. But at the end of the day, you're not achieving your business goals. You're not getting the conversions that you need to actually succeed with your content. So that, that's a very bad goal right there. Your goal shouldn't be just to get 100,000 website visitors or just to rank on the first page of search engines. You have to do what I call thinking in reverse. So think about what you re- what you ultimately want to achieve. For instance, one of my clients, she had come to me at first saying that she wanted to increase her website traffic. She wants to get 10,000 website visitors per month consistently. But then I asked her, okay, so you want to get 10,000 website visitors per month, but why? Like, wh- what are you trying to achieve? What are these people supposed to be doing on your website? And that helped us to narrow down the fact that she was actually hoping to increase her course sales to 30 course sales per month each year, right? So each each month she wants to get 30 course sales. And that means that the, the content strategy has to be focused towards getting those 30 course sales per month rather than just focusing on these 10,000 website visitors, if you get what I'm saying. So, so you think more about the end goal, what you want people to convert to, and then build your, your content strategy around that or your content audit around that. I really love that because traffic, although it's very exciting, mm-hmm. it's not going to help your business. Mm-mm. And that's so important about this content audit and reviewing your content goals. Yes. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Okay. So the second thing you bring up is to make sure that you have insights about your audience's wants and needs. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I find really interesting is that a lot of people, they, I guess they answer the most frequently asked question that their audience has. They put Mm -hmm. it up on the blog. Everything's fine and dandy, but they're still not reaching their goal of like the example you said of those 30 course sales. Mm -hmm. So that has to do with the emotion that you're evoking in your content, whether that's written or video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you evoke that emotion for your target audience in your content? That's a very, very good question. And I interviewed Talia Wolf, who is an expert at emotional targeting and emotional marketing. And she says that there are over, there are 253 emotional triggers that we all use to make decisions. Yeah, 253. Oh man, <laughs> but, I gotta yeah. Google this. <laughs> 
but she says that although that although there are 253 there are two that she has found recur frequently and those two are social image and self image so for social image we we want to look good to everybody else around us say for example you're creating a pitch deck for an investor or a pitch deck for even your boss at your company right you want the pitch deck to look attractive and to to speak to you being an authority in whatever you're you're presenting right so your goal or your the emotion that you're trying to to tap into there is feeling proud that you can create something that that makes you look good in front of your boss and in front of investors so that social image looking good in front of other people and then self image is helping us look feel good and about ourselves right and uh, i carry think of an example of self image right now but <laughs> it's it's self explanatory you know you want to evoke those emotions that help people feel good about themselves right mm-hmm. so th- those are the two main emotional triggers that you can focus on in your content to bring out that emotional appeal to get people to to convert yeah so this part is very much focusing on which one your audience cares about the most and right. then putting that into your content right okay right. awesome right right so the third point before we get to into all the steps is reviewing existing data about your content mm-hmm. so how do you go about collecting the right data points because i feel like this is kind of a black hole like once you get into it you can never stop mm-hmm. so what are the data points that we should be looking for All right so this is an expansive question there are many things that you could look at but i guess the question is really what you should hone in on or what you should zoom in on and focus on so for each of your content assets your blogs your videos you have the analytics data that your provider would give you for let's say that we're looking at a, a blog post you want to look at things like dwell time are people actually reading these blog posts how long are they spending on the lo- on the blog posts you want to use things like like a heat map to i think hotjar is a company that does those heat maps so yeah. you can use use hotjar to do a heat map of your blog posts to see how far people are scrolling where people are clicking those type of things to see that the type of impact that your blog post is having you can also look at the engagement that the blog post is getting not only on the blog post itself but also when you share it on social media what are people commenting and saying what are people sharing the post are people engaging in the way that you would like them to engage and also what ultimately matters at the end of the day as we've been saying from the beginning of this episode is that you must be getting the conversions that you're hoping for that you're trying to reach so if it's a blog post that is based on transactional intent so you're you're you've created this blog post to influence people to to buy then uh, you you need to ensure that the conversion rate is what you expect it to be or what you hope it should be and conversion rates tend to not be very high on websites despite what we may think like if you get a conversion rate of 30 32% that's that's great that's wonderful so 
in summary, I think analytics that you focus on depend on whether it's video or blogs. If you're looking at blogs, look at dwell time, look at engagement, and look at use use Hotjar to do the heat map to determine how people are interacting, and also look at the conversion rate. So those statistics or those data points are important, I believe. Okay, that's a great summary, and I like I like that you also mentioned the intention of the blog or mm-hmm. the video, mm-hmm. because if the intention is to just inform, mm-hmm. then you can't expect to convert exactly. on that blog, for example. Exactly, 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 exactly. If the intention of the blog is to get someone to buy, or that's how you're positioning your blog, then those are the ones you should be looking at. So I think that was a really good point as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. So before we dive in, because (laughs) we're going to do a deep dive, okay? There are seven steps. I want to know, can you, do you have to do them in this order that we're about to go through? Or can you do them in a different order? Well, I prefer to do them in the order that I've mentioned here because it it helps with the flow of Mm -hmm. getting everything done the right way. But you can also change the order to suit your particular needs at Mm -hmm. any given point in time. I think that's good advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you've done this so many times. So this is like the flow that you recommend. But with that, let's just, let's just dive into the first step. (laughs) The first one is to review content goals. So before we looked at what, like what a bad goal looked like, what a good goal looked like, how many goals should a company have regarding their their content because mm-hmm. I feel like at one point it's going to be too many mm-hmm. you, have, you have to start picking so mm-hmm. how many should they have and give me an example of like one of them that would be a good content goal okay so I prefer to focus on one main goal that's your overarching goal that that drives everything that you do but that goal can have tactics so the, the strategies that you're going to use to achieve the goal, right? Okay. I love that. Yeah. So I go back to this example because it's, it's the fresh, freshest one in my mind. The, the client who came to me with the 10,000 website visitor goal mm-hmm. that she had originally. So after we discussed exactly what she wanted, the whole goal of the content strategy became getting those 30 core sales per month. That's the goal. But then the tactics now, based on the data that she would have already collected, she knows that in order to get those 30 core sales, she needs to get a thousand email subscribers. In order to get those thousand email subscribers, she needs to get the 10,000 website visitors. So the tactics now become getting the 10,000 website visitors and getting the thousand email subscribers. So the main goal is to get the 30 core sales per month. And the tactics to achieve that goal would be to get the 1,000 email subscribers, the 10,000 website visitors per month. Yeah. And you had another part to your question. I remember the other part. Oh, an example. But I, you gave the example. It's fine. Okay. You kind of put everything together. All good, all good. <laughs> okay, so that's great. So number one is that you are reviewing your content goals to make sure they're realistic and mm-hmm. that they're aligning with your business goals. And I think if anyone takes anything away from this episode is that if your content is separate from your business goals, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So super important. That's number one. Number two, uh, you say you have to review your content inventory. Mm -hmm. So you suggest putting everything in a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Now, my question to you is, 
when you put everything in a spreadsheet, it's kind of like a snapshot of all the data points at that time that you do the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. What is the benefit of having it all together in that spreadsheet as opposed to just in the different platforms that you can just go look at? Because having it in a spreadsheet helps you to organize everything, even though it's a snapshot. Mm-hmm. Remember, when you're doing a content audit, you're looking at your existing content assets, not what you're creating in the future. You're looking at what you have now. And organizing that in a spreadsheet helps you to look at each content asset crit- critically, look at all of the data points that you need to assess, and, and uh, it gives you a better picture of what you should refresh, what you should exclude, what you should do next in order to make your content strategy work. So that's why I suggest putting it in a spreadsheet because it helps to organize the data better and it helps you to to do the comparison of all the content assets better. Okay, and that kind of goes into nicely with the third step and that is to determine what content needs to be refreshed. Mm -hmm. So how do you identify what needs to be refreshed? Is it, oh, you're looking at the titles of the blog posts, for example? Are you looking at how old these blog posts are? Or maybe you're looking at stats in the blog post. Like, how do you determine what needs to be refreshed? Okay, that's a very good question. It goes back to the business goals, I would say. So if For instance, going back to the example I've been using, you want to get these 30 course sales per month. What content do you have that relates to what that course is about? That's how I I approach it. So think about the business goal. Think about the content that you have that relates to that business goal. And then figure out how you can get that content to perform better. So probably you have something that's not ranking at all right? But it's content that's relevant to what you're trying to achieve. With refreshing that, you're going to try to get it more visibility. So that might mean that you need to change the keyword focus completely. Maybe you need to change the headings. Maybe you need to add some images in there so you can use some alt text. Whatever you have to do to give that that piece new life and help it to align with what you're trying to achieve. I like that. It's what's relevant to what your current business goals are. Right. Awesome. Okay. Right. The next one is probably the most intense. <laughs> it's identifying competitors' gaps. Okay. And I know this one, we already spoke about this. It can be a whole episode on its own. So just for people who are listening, who can do this without spending six months on it, um, how many competitors should you look at? hmm And then what are the top three things to compare yourself against or to evaluate? Okay. So that question is very business dependent. There are some businesses that don't have a lot of competitors because of how niche they are. And I guess for them, it's much easier to do a competitor gap analysis because they have less to focus on. But for those businesses that have a large number of competitors, what I would suggest is narrowing your focus to your top five to eight competitors. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to, there are many ways that you could do a competitor gap analysis, many ways, as Laura said, you could do an entire episode on that. But what I would say you would focus on are the strengths of the competitor. So look at the competitor, look at what the competitor 
has that's relevant to what you are trying to achieve? Let me see if I can explain that a bit better. So let's say that you're creating content around course sales, going back to that example again. (laughs) So your course is about um, teaching people to create a balance sheet. Yeah. And then you you want to look at your competitor's content now that relates to balance sheets, for instance. Look Look at those content assets, the videos, the blog posts, the podcasts, and assess whether this, the content is strong, like what is strong about the content, what is weak about the content, and what opportunities has the competitor presented in the content. So probably the competitor is really good at a particular strategy that helps with creating a balance sheet. Maybe you are better at a different strategy and you can do a comparison between the two strategies in the content that you create, for instance. Maybe the audience of that competitor prefers content explained in a particular way. And maybe you're not reaching your audience because you're not explaining content in a way that resonates like that competitor does. So looking at looking at the strengths, looking at the weaknesses, looking at the gaps that the competitor has created is what would help you ultimately do the competitor gap analysis in, a, in an effective way. Okay. So if that answers the question. But yes. Yeah. So just to recap, five to eight competitors, you want to compare their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. How many pieces of content for each competitor do you have to look at before you get a good idea of those three criteria? What I would suggest is going back to your business goals, you would have already looked at your content assets and identified content that you already have that relates to those Mm. business goals. So let's say that you've identified uh, five articles that you already have. Use a a keyword research tool like RFs. Mm -hmm. I keep saying RFs, but people say Ahrefs. But Ahrefs and SEMrush, one of those tools. And uh, put each of those, each of your article links in and compare with other similar articles from your competitors. And then when you look at the results that Ahrefs gives, for instance, they will tell you the keywords the person is not ranking for and other details about that piece that can help you better understand what you can do to strengthen the piece, if that that helps answer the question. Okay, yeah. So you're just looking at the pieces that you want to focus on and find anything that's similar in your competitors. Yes. Okay, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So moving on to step number five, this one is not my favorite. (laughs) It's to assess your technical SEO issues. Okay. So um, tell me what that is. (laughs) Sure. Sure. No problem. It it, it flies over over all of our heads sometimes. Yeah. Trust me. Technical SEO is basically focusing on the aspects of your website that will impact the user experience. So things like page speed, things like the pop-ups that will come up that impact the the navigation, navigation on your website and the whole design of the website overall. Anything that impacts the user experience on the website is what would fall under the technical SEO category. Oftentimes, though, we tend to focus on page speed 
And uh, there's a tool that you can use to assess the page speed of your website. It's called Google Page Speed Insights. You can just type that into Google search and then you just put your URL in there and it will give you some suggestions for things that you can do to improve the speed of your website. A lot of those suggestions are very, very technical though, so you may need the help of a web developer, but at least you will know what you can do to improve the speed of your website. Yeah. And getting a developer to help you with everything in general, the entire user experience is, is very helpful. And if you didn't know, Google is now using user experience as a ranking factor. So it's very important to ensure that your website has a good user experience. So they are considering user experience. Yeah, they started to know. Oh, I don't know how they do that. That's interesting. I guess they focus a lot on page speed. They focus on page speed and like pop-ups. They've started to penalize websites that have those pop-ups that, that impact the user experience, stuff like that. So anything that they deem is an, an impediment mm-hmm. on the user experience, yeah, they'll flag you for that. Or, Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was, a, that was a good summary of technical stuff. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. <laughs> So step number six is to look into your backlinks. Mm-hmm. So at this point, backlinks can also be a full episode on its own. Is there a standard of what's a good number of backlinks? How do you know when you need to work on the number of backlinks that you have? First of all, if you have a website with low domain authority, mm-hmm. and domain authority is not a ranking factor, but it does help you determine how likely it is that you will rank, right? If you have a low domain authority, it helps significantly to get backlinks. And you want backlinks from websites that have a higher domain authority than yours. It's very hard to get high quality backlinks, especially if you're a newer website, but getting backlinks from those websites that have a higher domain authority definitely helps. As for the number of backlinks, that's a tricky question because if you're getting high quality backlinks, then you can have fewer. If you're getting lower quality, hmm, eh, you want to strive. <laughs> you want to strive more for the higher quality backlinks. <laughs> And probably get probably get three to five of those in your article and you'll be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great point. It depends on the quality of them. It's not just about quantity, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really good. Um, the last step is to develop a new strategy. Mm-hmm. So what I really think is going to be helpful for the listeners today is what are the short-term KPIs people can look for after they implement this new strategy? So they go through all your steps and they're like, okay, how do I keep track that this is on, this is going the right way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are those short KPIs that we can pay attention to? You can definitely look at engagement on the content that you repurpose. Because remember, guys, you can't just create your content and post it and just mm-hmm. hope that the SEO gods will have will grant you favor. That's not how it works. You have to promote the content. You have to repurpose it. You have to distribute it. So when you repurpose and distribute the content, look at the engagement that you're getting 
on social media? Are you getting comments? What are people saying about the content? Are you getting likes, shares? When you look at the traffic that is being directed to your content, are people spending time reading the content or spending time watching the video? Or are they stopping at, at the first few seconds of the video and just um, reading a few seconds of the article, things like that. So use your, use your social media presence to help guide those engagement metrics, you know, that you, mm-hmm. you, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. We went through the whole process, guys, an effective content audit. And just before we leave, I want to know if there's something else that you want people to know about the audit process that we may not have mentioned. I think we've covered everything basically, but I would say that it's some a content audit is something that a lot of content marketers tend to not focus on, but it's very important because you could have a gold mine of content, a treasure chest of existing content that you're not capitalizing on right now. So before you create anything new, look at what you already have and see how you can maximize it to get your business goals or to achieve your business goals. I love that. So Christine, thank you so much for being on the marketing bound podcast. Where can people, (laughs) where can people find you? You can find me on my website. That's the best place to find out about me and to find me. It's cmwritingservices.com. You could also check me out on LinkedIn. You can just type in my name, Christine McLean. I'll give Laura the links. So that you can um, you can check it out in the description box below, or you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can check me out on my website. <laughs> Amazing! Thanks so much, Christine. You're welcome. Thank you too. <laughs> Thank you.